This episode will discuss topics concerning suicide, depression, and sexual assault, among other things. Viewer discretion is advised. If you or a loved one is suffering from depression and may be at risk, do not hesitate to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You can and will get through this. Welcome back to Motive Talks. We have a few announcements today, which is first, we're looking for more Modern Divergence members. So if you're interested in writing articles or helping with our podcast, make sure to contact us through our Instagram or email, which is moderndivergence at gmail.com. Secondly, in collaboration with Planner Consulting and LaunchTech, we're partnering with them to create AveryBot, a mental health texting bot for ranting, confessions, or just for your personal use. Today we'll be covering the topic of toxic masculinity which is described by the ideas about the way that men should behave, which are seen as harmful. It can cause men to try to conform to the more traditional masculine gender role, which results in more violent, unemotional, and often sexually aggressive men, and so forth. Today, we'll be discussing the many ways this mentality has manifested and become a significant part of American culture, and really culture over the world and dive into the impact of how it has impacted the mental health of men across the country. We'll have three acts, including gender norms, sexuality, and our third act, incest. So let's get into it. Starting off with gender norms, there are a plethora of different ways in which many societies, particularly we're going to focus on American society, expect men to act. Now, a more popular one has to deal with the emotions that boys should portray. A popular saying is, you know, boys don't cry. Boys should be stoic. They shouldn't be crying. They shouldn't show emotion. Uh, they shouldn't show emotion because it's seen as a sign of weakness. But personally, I think that this actually contributes to the regression of emotional intelligence within men and could lead to things like depression and suicide. So as you know, like if you're unable to express how you feel you know if you're unable to express that you're going through something hard or that you have some kind of emotional problems then it'll be harder for you to deal and to talk to people about what you're going through so since we're well since men are like more just this idea that boys don't cry they're more vulnerable to suicide depression and just dealing with these things that no one should be dealing with alone because they feel like they can't express their feelings to anybody when that's really not true. Yeah, and, you know, depression and suicide is something that thousands, maybe even millions of people across the world deal with every day. But when we have these ideals in which you're not allowed to have a sustainable emotional health, it can make you a lot more susceptible. Now, I have some statistics here. Um, According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, or AFSP, Men in the United States last year committed suicide at 3.5 times the rate of women. Now, I mean, as we've talked about um, just now, 
this can be attributed to a lot of different factors. We're not saying that just the term boys don't cry is what's causing a bunch of men to kill themselves. But when you have this type of ideal that can be rather hard to live up to, because since we're human, one of the things that makes us different from other animals is that we have emotions. And if you aren't able to express those freely or are shunned if you do so and seen as weak, then these kinds of statistics can happen. Now, I want to look at the flip side of this type of narrative where women are seen as the ones who should be emotional, maybe overly so. Like, um, I've heard sometimes, I've heard from men in my life who say that if, you, if you're a man and you cry, you know, you're acting like a girl. And I feel like a lot of different times, and we'll see more instances over this episode, that the things that um, are seen as bad and men that are seen as weak are correspondingly things that are seen as ideal for women. And so uh, what do you guys think about this type of mentality that weakness should be only associated towards women? Things that would be offensive in a man should be the ideal for women across the world. I feel like it creates a divide between men and women and they feel a lot more pressure to conform to particular roles. And this is definitely why a lot of this emotional regression can factor into some kind of repercussion for women as well. And I also feel that Oftentimes, because this is an ideal, like ideals in and of themselves assume that everybody should be conforming to them, it kind of fosters this environment where men kind of do feel the need to pressure others. And because people only really see the pressure rather than um, what these men are actually feeling, they kind of just get stuck in this weird circle of them pressuring one another to conform to these ideals. Exactly. I feel like women who don't express in the way that women are supposed to they're also receiving a backlash as well. Um, kind of tying into how women are seen that they should be crying. I've seen a lot of times, um, like for example, after a woman gives birth, she's expected to cry. She's expected to be overwhelmed because of the birth of her first child, which you would never really ask of a father to be crying at the birth of his child, even though it's an exciting and important milestone for both mm. the parents in that scenario. So, when women don't cry, when women don't have this extreme emotional reaction, they're kind of shunned. They're seen as, well, are, do you, are you not happy that you have a child now? Are you not excited? And I feel like that type of double standard is, can one kind of be attributed to toxic masculinity, but also kind of feeds to that toxic femininity, which we'll talk about more a little later. Now, Faith, you said you wanted to... Um, yeah, there's, there have been some evidence and some t statistics that say that over the past 50 years, like, for example with all the mass shootings that we've been having, most of the time they wanted to kind of show that they like the, the people that they were being bullied by, that they were more masculine because they were bullied for being bookish, artistic, shy, or non-athletic. So these kind of violent responses are ways to prove their masculinity yeah. or get revenge. I think that you brought up um, mass shootings because it's me to the, an, our next point, which is that men are typically geared towards more manly hobbies which tend to be more aggressive more physically involved and i personally believe can lead to fostering aggression within men now tying back into what you said about mass shootings out of 108 mass shootings last year in the united states between well actually between the years of 1980 2019 102 of them were executed by men I'm not saying that you know telling your son to go play football 
or all these other things can lead to becoming mass shooters. But I do think that there's merit in taking a look at how we bring up our boys. Like if we tell boys that you can't knit, you can't go draw, you can't go garden, you have to do this, that, and that, that's more aggressive, having these sorts of tendencies where a lot of these violent, violent crimes are committed by men can't happen. What do you guys think? This reminds me of a video I saw on Instagram. So this mother took out her camera instead of recording her child who didn't seem maybe any older than, for example, seven years old. And he was dancing to a TikTok song. And instead of telling him to stop or talking to him or anything like that, she slapped him on camera for dancing to a TikTok song because he was asking, acting too feminine. Mm. Mm. So not even, I was just, I was pretty shook. Like, not only did she think there was something wrong with him for just dancing, but she also had the time and the audacity to take out her camera to record it and try to gain, I'm not sure what she expected, views, followers, thank yous. Mm. But when I saw that video, it really just showed me that, you know, not everyone is fit to raise a child especially in 2020. I feel like the fact that many people aren't able to become more progressive, because I can definitely imagine a more conservative parent feeling like they're in the right to do that. But it's just a child and they're just dancing. There's no, there's nothing coded behind it. And honestly, I'm not gonna put all the blame on the mother because she's probably raised to have that type of thinking where oh yeah, boys aren't allowed to do this. And that's really the, the main problem with this type of thinking. If It's generational. If you create someone's entire moral compass with this in mind, then you'll have instances like that. These types of statistics can be really scary because it's like, how do you stop that cycle, you know? How do you break this pattern of men being overly violent, of men producing these violent, horrid crimes? How do you stop it? This example that you brought up, I feel it's really good to bring up because it does play ode to how men aren't naturally violent. It's just really something that it's that's expected of them. And because we live in a culture that equates masculinity with physical power, a lot of these men and boys will feel like less like they're failing it as men. And so this kind of masculinity has created this um, vacuum in their lives that they feel like they should fill and fill with violence to um kind of fulfill their ideals of being a man. Um, can you guys think of any other examples of toxic masculinity? I only came up with some baseline ones, but I mean, it's all over our way of life. So can you guys think of any other examples? Throughout my experiences of dealing with, you know, men, boys who have problems with their masculinity or who are undergoing toxic masculinity is that they have a lot of tendencies to mansplain. So if you don't know what mansplaining is, it's kind of unnecessary explaining something because you feel like as a man, you're entitled to like another description or something like that. And I've had to deal with this a lot working with guys in my school. There's just been so many instances and I'm just like, there's no reason to mansplain. You can calm down. Have you ever like dealt with anything like that? Because it just gets me so annoyed, like a lot. Exactly. I feel like almost every girl has a story of being mansplained to, even if they don't, they didn't know it at the time. But, and I was talking about this last night with my sister, that 
in our culture, we kind of have this idea that men should be protectors more often than not. Like, have you ever um, seen, and I see this in movies and books and sometimes even in real life, how, like, let's say your oldest is a girl, so you, your firstborn is a daughter, and then you have your youngest, a son. When they're growing up, the girl will have, you know, superiority over him, you know, she's the elder. But as you grow up, and once you guys are both of adult age, it becomes the sort of thing where, like, the son, even though he's the youngest, is supposed to be taken care of and be kind of like the protector of his older sister, you know, defend her, things like that, which you would never expect in the reverse. Like, if you have an older brother, you're not going to be protecting, you're not going to be doing anything for him because you're, you know, the daughter. Um, and I feel like a part of having a protector or ha- thinking that you should be the protector of somebody in your life is that you need to be more, you assume that you're more knowledgeable than them. And so it it agitates me that a lot of boys have that complex, like, oh, yeah, well, I just need to dumb it down for her. I need to give her in layman's terms so that she can be on equal standing because I'm the one who's knowledgeable about the topic. They always assume that they know better, and it's it's so aggravating. You're right, Faith. Yeah. All right. So Act 2 has to do with sexuality, and um, I'm not talking about sexual orientation, though I will highlight that um, homosexual men, other men of the LGBT community, do get a lot of backlash and suffer a lot of discrimination because being attracted to men or I guess just not being attracted to women is seen as a weakness, which I personally don't understand. But gay men, bisexual men, pansexual men, even trans um, transgender men all receive discrimination because going back to toxic masculinity is not seen as what we are the idea of men that has been posed by society. So Focusing simply on sexuality, a lot of times in social media, whether it's books, movies, TV shows, there's often this trope that men are always looking for their next sexual partner. The playboy is an idolized figure. You have James Bond, Hugh Hefner, even you know Barney from High Rich Mother. The list goes on and on. And even though this archetype is seen a lot throughout pop culture, it's almost always more fiction than fact. And I do want to touch on that, like what you brought up about um, them not really um, considering many trans men, many gay men um, in their general circle of what a masculine man is. I would like to say that a lot of this comes from a locker room mentality. And like, because they see gay men as very threatening in these certain circumstances, and because many trans men aren't really invited to these spaces because they discriminate against them. It just makes it seem as though, yeah, it just makes it seem as though there's like this very exclusive ideal for what a man should be to invited to this locker room scenario. Even with like within the umbrella of like gay men, there's also like stigma mainly towards femme gays who are, you know, who are more feminine, who, you know, might be the ones who wear more makeup compared to other gay men who dance, who are really out there. That stereotypical idea of a femme game. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of arguments from straight men who say, like, and honestly, I feel like I would give more credit to how society has evolved because I feel like this problem is a lot better than it was maybe in, like, 2010, 2012. But I see a lot of heterosexual men who say, like, I can't help 
feeling uncomfortable around um, homosexual men or just men who happen to be attracted to other men because, you know, I just don't feel comfortable being around someone who could possibly be attracted to me. And I, I, in theory, that kind of makes sense, but I feel like men might only think like that because when they try to conceptualize, if they can't understand, you know, that other people are attracted, can be attracted to their same sex, they try to conceptualize um, being around homosexual men in that type of manner, in a locker room manner, with like, well, wouldn't it be awkward if I was in, um, if I was in a girls' locker room? Like, I'm attracted to women. Wouldn't that be weird? And I feel like a lot of straight men need to realize that just because they're a guy and they're around a guy that is also attracted to men, that does not mean that they want to sleep with you. That does not mean they want a relationship with you. And so that type of fear is kind of irrational, and it only leads to um, more bad things than good. Yeah, they're definitely now, putting themselves on a pedestal. <laughs> Honestly, they sound so entitled, like, literally so ridiculous for even thinking that. And it's just sad to see how deeply rooted toxic masculinity really is within them. Yeah, it, it also goes to show that, like, if you are so afraid of people that are could be attracted to you and what they could do to you, then how do you think females feel when men don't really do anything to acknowledge or validate when women tell them that they're being made to feel uncomfortable by the same men. Um, now, Maxine, oh, geez, you said something that I really wanted to touch on. And oh, locker room talk. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know if you guys have any brothers. Um, let me know if you do. I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's older or um, younger, but I'll say personally, and um, I'm guessing because Faith and Nancy doesn't have an older brother, but like particularly in my culture, like Nigerian culture the son is very very idolized he's very put on a pedestal and i have the unfortunate um pleasure of having my oldest sibling be my brother my brother is my parents first child so on top of being the first kid he's also the only son mm. and the types of leeway that he gets because of that um or is this something that us girls could never imagine? And I, I know that that's the same for a lot of different families when it comes to their sons. The way that they can be um, sexually promiscuous, like having a boyfriend. My brother had boyfriends. I mean, not boyfriends. Because um, he didn't act like bonehead sometimes. But my brother had the pleasure of having relationships all through high school. He has relationships all through now, even though he's an adult. And he never had to worry about asking mom and dad, hey, you know, can I go on this date? He just went. But if it were something like my sister, there's a funny story of how when my sister was nine years old, she has a school project with our neighbor, David, and my dad said that he was not allowed to come in the house. He was not allowed to be around her and that they had to do the project over the phone. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, my brother could go out all hours of the night. He was able to be with any girl he wanted. And I feel like that type of double standard, again, is toxic because we expect men and we allow men to basically have any woman they want to be um have allow that sexual freedom but we don't allow the same thing for our girls that was such a wonderful point to bring up although i only have a little brother who is like still a baby he's like five years old so it doesn't apply exactly yet um i've definitely seen ways various ways in exactly what you're talking about when they have you know compared to their 
female child, they'll be more protective. They won't let them go out. They won't, they'll just be more scared of like, oh, you're going to get in this trouble. You're going to get pregnant. Don't sleep with anybody. But when compared to, for example, their male child, they might be like, be, be safe, wear condom, you can go out. They'll be more, how, they'll be more accepting of letting them kind of express themselves because they feel like there's less of a risk because, you know, they're males or that's just what they do. Let boys be boys and that kind of thinking. I hate that term, let boys be boys. Because, like, let's just <laughs> yeah. go back into that. Like, how parents are very afraid for their um, for their daughters to be more um, involved romantically. Do you ever take a step back to think, why are you so afraid? If you raise your boys right, if you don't have this idea that, like, oh, you know, well, if a boy tries to kiss you, you, you don't want it, he just likes you. If a boy's rough with you, that just means he likes you. You know, if... A boy tries to come on to you, you know, boys will be boys. You can't, you, you as the woman have to try to deter him instead of teaching the man that if a girl doesn't want to be with you, you need to respect that. The fact that we kind of put the pressure on the woman to fight off the man instead of teaching the man from early on that you should not be aggressive towards women in any type of setting, especially a romantic or sexual setting, is the reason why parents are so protective of their daughters and they shouldn't need to be protective of their daughters they need to be teaching their men to be better and until we until we can get the type of mindset that we need to make better men not more apprehensive girls then toxic masculinity will just continue to reign there's more now i just want to preface by saying that male sexual assault is as any sexual assault is a very very serious topic it's a very sensitive topic it's especially one that doesn't receive a lot of attention, um, possibly because it doesn't happen as much as um, sexual violence against women, but it is still a major problem. And it's part of the reason that, um, that talks about stability can very negatively impact men because they feel as though, some people believe that men cannot be sexually assaulted. Some believe that you cannot rape a man, which I feel like is just outlandishly crazy. But like I will say right now, it happens, and it happens too much. Um, now, before I go into some statistics, do you guys have any comments, concerns, anything? Definitely. Any kind of sexual assault, any kind of rape, regardless of your gender, regardless of any of those demographics, it truly is wrong. And I definitely see how toxic masculinity can get in the way of this, can get in the way of how you cope with getting over this. It can get in the way of looking for help. It can get in the way of telling others. That's already hard for a woman to do. Like, I can just imagine how much worse and repressed it is for males who are undergoing and repressed by this. I actually have the, an article to bring up. It was by the New York Times. It's um, what happens to Me Too when a feminist is the accused. And so basically this professor at... Was it New York University? I don't remember, but it, um, Avital Rennell, she was accused of um, raping one of her male grad students. And basically this male grad student, of course, there's like a huge power dichotomy between the professor, the female professor and the male student. And you usually see this like oftentimes reversed in most um, cases of um, educational um, sex crimes. And 
what's so interesting about this case, well, what's so tragic about this case is that because this was a gender studies professor, everybody thought like, okay, it became like a whole conflict between the feminists and the, the anti-feminists. And it really does beg the question because a lot of the um, people that came up actually defended the feminist professor because they were saying, well, you don't really, I don't even remember what they were trying to argue, but they were basically just defending um, Avital Rennell and Judith Butler, one of like the, the names in feminist scholarship even went by her side. So there, there's like this huge power conflict going on right now between the feminists and the misogynists. And it's, and even the, those that just don't identify as feminists are starting to get really skeptical of feminism because of this. And so it really begs the question, like, should we re be redefining our feminism? And we should we be a lot more like, I don't know if any of you identify as feminist. I don't know if I do really right now, but we really need to, like, if we do choose to identify as feminists, like, can we make it a lot more inclusive so that um, we can also ac accommodate for the tradition, even like the traditionally masculine and kind of reconcile it with a better understanding of like what it means to be a man, what it means to be a female in today's society? I am a feminist, but I definitely get what you're saying, Maxine, like, especially now, be like the title of a feminist is so stained with people who consider themselves feminists, but don't truly get the point of it. So for example, you know, like women who think being a feminist means not wanting equal rights for males too, you know, just horrible, horrible conceptions of feminism, which really stains the whole perception of feminism and exactly what the feminist movement is trying to achieve. So with that, I've seen that as a feminist myself, I've seen many instances where males will feel like being a feminist means I don't think males deserve rights. So sometimes I'll be talking about a feminist issue and I'll see males start arguing with me, start saying, you know, I'm not a feminist. What's wrong? Why don't you want equal rights? Or they'll get super defensive because they feel like I'm personally attacking their masculinity when that's really not what feminism is about. I forgot what the male topic is like you know how feminism is more related to girls there's like a more male version but I've meninism because <laughs> that's what i've heard yeah just like men's rights movements i've yeah. heard that but i feel like it's just a play off of feminism which okay i just want to start by saying faith i really love how you put it when you said it's a stain I used to not understand, I personally, I'm just going to say, I identify as a feminist. I never really understood when people would say they don't, because feminism, regardless of how it's been politicized and how the meaning has been tainted and changed over the past few decades, the meaning of feminism, and this, I'm going back to like first wave, is the movement to have equal rights between men and women. It is only called feminism because women have been marginalized for almost most um, of history. And I dare say all, because to this day, women are still being marginalized. Now, that being said, I will acknowledge that many people who consider themselves feminists don't embody the And I would say this is a unique to feminism. This is how it is for a lot of different oppressed groups. 
instead of wanting equal rights, some may want to have that supremacy. They want to be able to benefit in the way that their oppressors have for such a long time. So that's where you have these women and also, I mean, surprisingly men who will say like, men don't deserve any rights. You have these women who just say men cannot be sexually assaulted, but then also consider themselves feminists. Which, if you inherently say that one sex cannot be sexually assaulted over the other, that's inherently sexist. So you cannot be a feminist if you have that belief. Yeah. Now, and I find that, yeah. um, me personally, I, as I mentioned before, I don't um, currently identify as a feminist, but that mainly stems from my experience within a lot of feminist circles. I've seen them all from the TERFs, the trans exclusionary radical feminists. We can. I think that's a good topic for another episode, but we can, there, there are the TERFs Definitely. and um, intersectional feminists. I love the intersectional feminists and um, yeah, just everybody in so far in between. I've seen a wide range of feminism and I think what we really need to do right now is try to find like a, a, a center point where all of them can like just be bridged together and like identify like this is what we're fighting for and this is what we want to do. But for now, it just seems like a community very divided in itself. And as somebody who can't make up their mind, that scares me. <laughs> yeah, sure. it definitely so, is scary. Yeah. So kind of straying from feminism, like we were saying before, menonism. <laughs> so that's the term for, you know, the men's rights movement. And I feel, personally, I feel like men in it, I feel like just like feminism has you know it's true positive and authentic side where it truly is trying to advocate for both men and women's rights menonism which you know can also be really true can also be really authentic where it's just males who really just want equal rights for everyone but on the darker side of that end is the followers in memonism who are just there because they feel threatened mm. by feminism, who feel like feminism is one-sided and is only helping um, ma females. So while I, I don't completely believe that feminism is something that's horrible or that shouldn't be there or something like that, I just feel like rather than a movement, it's a way for males who are feeling repressed. I think that what a lot of people need to understand that is that oftentimes a lot of meninists aren't really wrong per se, but a lot of them are just really uneducated about like the nuances that define what feminism. And oftentimes it does get to a point where they're like, okay, are meninists like advocating for women's, uh, for men's rights or do they just not want to see women's rights? Or is it somewhere in between? It's a very, very complicated issue. That's a very great area. And, you know, this might be a hot take, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm a crazy feminist, like what some other people say, but I, I think that a lot of meninism is just a, a play on feminism. It's just a parody of feminism. Because, and I'm not saying this is only unique to men's rights or like the, the condition of being a man. I feel this is how it is with a lot of people who have historically been the oppressors. You can see this with white people as well, where you, in a lot of different respects, I would say it's very difficult to, for, to find male oppression. And I say that because in most circumstances within our society, men are the oppressors. It is very 
very hard for you to find a situation where the oppressor can simultaneously be oppressed. Now, I will say, because I, I don't believe that in all respects, the genders are the same. For example, I'm going to read a statistic here where one in 71 men are, are victims of sexual assault. Um, 40.2% are gay, 47.4 bisexual, and 20.8 are heterosexual. Yet the, the true number of cases is estimated to be way higher. Now that statistic is from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And this happens for many different reasons. In fact, a lot of different reasons can stem from when men go to report, the police don't believe them. Going back to what you said uh, about that NYU student, taking away the genders, if you are in a position of power, such as a teacher, and you are vetting, I'm not saying this is what actually happened, but these are allegations, but if you are in the position of a teacher and you are vetting for a student, and even if they claim it is consensual, it is inherently unconsensual because you are mm -hmm. in a place of power above that person. So it is not in the person being vetted, it's not in their best interest to deny you. And that's what makes it inherently mm -hmm. unconsensual. And so when you take that away, the genders away from it, we can all recognize that at the least that's sexual harassment and at the most that could become rape. But when you put in the fact that the male is the one being the, uh, is the victim and the woman is the one being the uh, assailant, you can have situations where, you know, you ever see in TV where, and this usually happened like the eighties where they'll have like a hot substitute teacher. Now, okay. A lot of times in these shows, we don't think about how that is rape. That's statutory rape. That is a minor and it, they're minors being as having sex with an adult. We don't think about it like that. We just see, oh yeah, you know, the hottest guy in school got the hot substitute teacher. But if this were switched, if you had like, you know, the cheerleader and she was sleeping with her male teacher, we would all appreciate the fact, or more likely than not, we would appreciate the fact that like that man is using her. That man is um, putting her in a situation that she can't really escape and we would accept yeah. that statutory rape. Like in that respect, men are, have the downside. They aren't as freely able to come across, uh, to come out with their sexual assault and be recognized and be validated in that sense. And it's even worse in the military where men reign supreme, where 17% seven, of men report their sexual um, assaults compared to 43% in women. And as we've seen in many different patterns, the margin of victims in the military are probably a lot more. But I would argue that the military is a place where toxic uh, masculinity is at its highest. That being said, I feel as though men's rights in the first part is not a guy, it's not, it's a misguided community because the idea that women, that feminism is trying to take away the rights of men is inherently misguided because it doesn't recognize how marginalized mm. women are. Women wanting the same rights as men does not mean it doesn't mean anything towards men, really. I mean, it, you could re think about the same thing as like white people who become very upset with affirmative action. There's no opportunity being taken away from you. It's just giving it to somebody else who right now is lacking in that department. But um, going back to the issue of men's rights, I think that is the perfect segue towards mm -hmm. incels. Um, now, either of you want to 
The word incel is defined primarily as a shortened term for involuntary celibacy, and it refers to a select internet community dominated mostly by heterosexual men, and they all seem to be rallied under the same frustration of not being able to sleep with women, and they've kind of based most of their crusades around that. <laughs> yeah, because these women um, refuse to sleep with them, to be their boyfriend, their girlfriend, or something like that, rather than, you know, just dealing with that or just, you know, coping with rejection like every other human, rather they insult them, they feel like women are um, inferior to them. A lot of this yeah. hatred, like, stems from a place of very deep-rooted self-loathing because oftentimes a lot of these incels consider themselves um, inferior to a lot of them, the both the women that they find more attractive to, than them, as well as the guys that they, um, they dub uh, chads, these alpha males. And they covet like they're having, for instance, like <laughs> ideal bone structures and facial features. We can talk about bone structure in a while, by the way, that's like a whole thing. It's really weird. Well, all the while scrutinizing their own physical shortcomings. So it makes you wonder like, it kind of makes sense why they get to this point of self-loathing. It's definitely not something that should be tolerated, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense, but you don't see women who aren't conventionally attractive having crusades against men, saying they hate men, making threats towards mm -hmm. men, et cetera, et cetera. I would argue that incels come from, like you said, self-loathing, but they also come from that inherent sense of male entitlement the fact that you are entitled mm. to having a woman now i i want to bring up this video that i saw which i i, I have to be honest it made me laugh uh, like i was cackling where this guy was talking in the video about me too and he was like it's always me too me too me too but and then the guy said nobody ever talks about the stupid whores who lie now i hear this a lot uh, surprisingly i try to not surprisingly i try to stay away from any incel community as much as possible, but it does still find its way into my phone screen, etc. And you'll see a lot of arguments from men who consider themselves meninists and other men who consider themselves incels that, you know, no one ever talks about the women in Me Too movement who lie, who make false rape allegations. And I feel like that's an example mm -hmm. of how men will take um, something where they might be disadvantaged, an instance of where they, where they might be disadvantaged and use it not only to prove in some capacity that they are oppressed, but then also to use it in a way to then attack those who they perceive to be oppressing them. Rape, uh, false rape allegations only make 2% of reported rape allegations. So 98% of the ones that are reported tend to be true and that's not even the vast majority of, of the actual sexual assault cases that occur. Yet men will use that argument and use it to attack women in that way and calling them stupid whores amongst other terrible things. It's rather ironic and even comedic, in fact, that they're, the reason that they're usually rejected or not liked by women is not because of their looks not because of maybe they're too fat, they're ugly, nothing like that. It's truly because of their personalities, their entitlement, why they feel that they deserve to have a woman, the way they act towards women, they don't respect them. And it's usually where that truly, that's usually the reason they're not liked by women. Because deep down, they do not respect women and they don't, they don't have 
the personality that women deserve. They don't have the respect or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. They don't respect women. They just, they see them as a type of object. I was on Reddit the other day, which is like a hotbed for incels. And on Reddit, you could see um, these men who describe their um, their ideal woman, you know, their, who their dream woman would be, the type of woman they would want to be with. And the descriptions of them are just honestly laughable and sometimes um, despicable. They usually describe them as femoids, um, pale. That, yeah, femoids, pale, weak, needing um, a knight in shining armor, having very, very feminine features, like big eyes, but like also very sexual features. Um, not someone who would be more submissive, someone who really wouldn't fight back would just go along with whatever that particular man wanted to say and thinking wanting a partner in that way means primarily that you don't want to have a person as your partner you want someone who will just comply you want a, a pet basically just in human form that you can probably have sex with i guess and i feel like that's why i always hate when um you hear men who say oh yeah nice guys always finish last because i'm just like Nice guys don't finish last. If you're a nice guy, you won't care that a girl doesn't want to be with you. You'll just continue on with your day because it's not the be-all, end-all. Um, it gets to the point where, like, you feel as though a girl owes you something, whether that be sex or a relationship, just because you treated her like a human being and treated her with consideration. But I do think that bringing in, like, that realm of physical attraction is also something really big to the incel community. Like, they have this entire list of incel lingo that they use within the community much like any other 4chan or reddit thread that you will find but like to the incels oftentimes like physical attractiveness is this thing that's naturally distributed equally between the sexes and this kind of does tie back to the point that you guys brought up about um entitlement so they really like using numerical rating systems and they don't they like them because they don't have a lot of subjectivity within them it's just like this girl's an eight this girl's a seven and it definitely helps them justify that like in the ideal world that they live in them a seven like for instance a seven out of ten men would be able to land a seven out of ten woman and this entire effect kind of permeates the insult ideology and it, i just find it really interesting how they can narrow everything down to like a few set factors for what a seven or what an eight what a nine is well i mean yeah because when you think about it they're they're treating these women like they're products you know like this isn't a yelp page this is an amazon page where you can not get like, me oh, a yeah, seven <laughs> She's a nine out of ten. <laughs> Going off of that, I find it super ironic how they go by, you know, cel they like in their name it says celibate, celibate, right? But most of the reason, like literally, what they're just out here fighting for is that the fact that they've been shunned by women. That's not what celibacy is, like. Where does that even come from? Because that's not what celibacy is. First part oh of the God. word, though, involuntary celibacy. They feel like they're being robbed of it and that they they feel like they need it. Like, they're celibate, but they don't really want to be celibate. I feel like it's truly sad because, you know, everyone comes, well, most of everyone comes from, you know, their mother. And for them to be out here just advocating that they deserve, some, they deserve, you know, a relationship, they deserve sex, that they're superior to women, 
it just feels so sad for me to watch that, especially when they were given birth to you by their mother, someone who probably cares for them a lot, who has provided a lot for them, yet they're still out here advocating for, you know, for something that diminishes and degrades their mothers, the one who have probably given so much to them. That's kind of like the biggest part or one of the most sad aspects of just the existence of insults to me. Yeah, and I think that the way that that post that was brought up earlier about how they describe women as femoids, it's like this very misogynistic verbatim, right? And it definitely summarizes the way that they view females because they don't even see them as friends or the women that were responsible for raising them and giving birth to them. Instead, they kind of see them as like the spawn of their inner conflict, the reason why they can't live the lives that they want to and why they exist the way that they do. And so they become objects, definitely, but more so than that, they become alienated to them. They don't even see them as human anymore. They're femoids. Yeah. And I feel like a big problem with that, and you could also attribute this to toxic masculinity, is the fact that a lot of times females are, their merit is largely and disproportionately based on their attractiveness. Whereas, like, I, I see a lot of times where, like, a guy who, like, I, I personally or many women personally wouldn't find that attractive feel as though they can land a girl who is way out of their league and that if they don't, they, they aren't able to, they just, you know, call the girl disparaging names and just say, like, I didn't like you anyway, things like that. And because women are based, a lot of times they're based on their merit, men and this is backed by toxic masculinity, men see it as okay to only vet women who they feel like can sexually please them and that is attractive to the eye. I was once watching this comedy special where, like, the guy said, and he was joking, I found it funny, but it's kind of a serious thing, where he was saying that a lot of times that boys and men think they just try to find the most attractive girl that they can land and then worry about personality later. That's why a lot of times you see guys like incels who just want the prettiest girl who don't have the brightest mind so that they can just project their ideals onto them. And then, you know, maybe they'll just have a yes man that also looks pretty hot. And if you don't see women as people, if you don't view them as your equal, then not only are you hurting any type of emotional intelligence that you can have when interacting with others of the opposite sex, but you're also damaging women when you think of them in that light. There's just so many rooted expressions of misogyny, just frustrations let out by males who are, you know, who feel like they have to exert this kind of stereotypical traditional masculinity. And just the existence of insults, there's such a dark, just such an unfortunate part of society something that I wish that we didn't have to deal with or that didn't exist. But it's just really unfortunate to see how much problems the mass like the stereotypical idea of masculinity as aroused, I guess. I don't know if you guys know about this guy. His name is Elliot Roger. He's considered like the god of the insult community. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. Elliot Roger. So just to give some context Elliot Roger was a 22-year-old college student studying at the University of California, Santa Barbara, when he suddenly went on a mass murdering spree in the Isla Vista era and area, and she ended up—he um, ended up um, murdering like at least a dozen people. 
And before that, what makes this so tragic is that he had filmed a video on YouTube and uploaded it on YouTube called The Day of Retribution. And he basically detailed his plan to exact revenge on all of the men that stole the women that he felt that he was entitled to and why he hated women, especially because they felt like um, he felt like they were just naturally excluding him because he was inferior to the other men. But despite this, like in his video, he has like this really big air of superiority where he's just like, I will exact my revenge on you. I will make you pay. Why can't you like me? Look at me. I'm like everything you could ask for. Wow. That is absolutely terrifying. I I never heard of this guy. Oh my God. But, you know, actually, let's take a step back and compare that guy to toxic masculine ideals. So incels, they basically, they believe in an alpha male. This guy is obviously emotionally regressed since he responds to rejection with violence. Mm -hmm. So he checks off that box. He is overly aggressive because he murdered people. So he checks off that box and he um, sees himself as superior and he views women as objects. That's another box checked off. He, I can understand why he would be a god of some sort to these, um, I don't even know how to say this in a nice way, um, socially detached group of people. He basically embodies all the things that absolute toxicity can um, create. I mean, this is, do you know how recently this happened? Um, 2014, I believe. Oh my God. I just, something like that can even happen into, in the 21st century. I know that a lot of serial killers, I mean, really into true crime, a lot of serial killers, they'll go on killing sprees of women because it's usually rooted in the fact that they have a bad relationship with their mother, which, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but, you know, just a little tidbit. But they, they, that's, they're kind of like the old school incels, like murderers from like the 70s and 80s who go on killing sprees of women because they've been denied. And so they just take their revenge. But I would have hoped that we would have become more progressive as a society. The majority of insults have depression, autism, or body dysphoric disorder. So it's kind of interesting to see how they kind of align some other reasons that they might not be able to attract women, for example, due to their mental health, due to their personalities, and they kind of just root it into something that's harmful to women and this armed society in general. Yeah, their mental health conditions, like their mental health conditions combined with just how men are expected to behave definitely creates an environment that isn't safe for them to express these things. They just choose to respond in the worst possible way. Yeah, I would argue that they probably have a, a, a dangerously amount of narcissism while also having a, a dangerously low self-esteem which i feel like is an interesting complex but um besides that yeah depression that can lead to aggravation and aggression towards others can be very 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 dangerous and i know that um i mean obviously with depression it can unfortunately lead to heightened suicide rates i know that a lot of incels um do have suicidal thoughts i watched a video i believe on vice where um, it was an incel community. And even though the things that they said 
when they were chatting with Despicable, they would there would be times when members of that community would commit suicide. And it was just for them, it was just seen as like, you know, Jeez. an average day. Like that's just part of the trade. And it made me feel yeah, it made me feel really sad because when a, a, another part of toxic masculinity is the fact that seeking exactly. psychiatric help, seeking mental health uh, help is seen as a weakness. Going to a therapist is seen as weak. Going tying back to that emotional aggression, and so you have people who can easily be reformed and can get back on their feet and solve these types of illnesses if they just were able to find the help. And they have that mentality that they can't do so. And it's I definitely honestly, agree. A lot of insoles they engage in self-diagnosis they discourage going to therapists seeking treatment and it's just so unfortunate to see how their toxic ideals of masculinity is truly like reform has truly repressed them from being able to seek help and that so many of them are dealing with severe depression they're dealing with other types of mental illnesses and while they're just while they're using the fact of you know being an incel to try and distract themselves from what they're truly feeling in a way is also ruining exactly exactly what they're doing because so many of them are killing themselves they're just every day their mental illness is getting worse and worse and it's truly not helping by them pushing their feelings towards hating women instead Yeah, I mean, it's always, I mean, everyone always tries to find a scapegoat, but, you know, either, that's where it becomes dangerous when someone is that type, uh, has that type of mental illness, and is that far gone, where you either have two outcomes, you either, they either start to hurt other people, or they start hurting mm-hmm. themselves, and both I've are just that, terrible. Um, insult communities actually encourage their suicidal members to kill themselves. And they also recommend, you know, doing violent acts like committing shootings before actually doing so. It's just so, I, I don't even know how Jesus. to properly explain how crazy it is, how scary it is that people like that exist. That you're just telling people to kill themselves or telling people to commit violent acts because they're not being masculine enough. And while I was discussing this with a friend one time, this was a topic of discussion that just, it was, it's just something that you can, there's just so much to talk about because it's just so twisted. But they brought up this really interesting point about how the INSA movement, in a way, is very intersectional in and of itself. And it's just really disgusting how it is because a lot of these incels um, also look up to a lot of terrorist figures and a lot of mass murderers, mur- murdering figures, regardless of whether or not they have shown any signs of insultum. And like that one guy, you remember the Christchurch shooting from a few years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. That guy, he was very, yeah, very true. active on incel forums. And this is something that people have only found out now. And so you see this intersection between um, discriminating against women and discriminating against those that you feel like just other people like the the muslim community was highly highly devastated by this crime and you see this guy who had already been showing signs of aggression towards this um group that he seemed he he um had basically primed himself to be at odds with so it's just inseldom really just extends towards a lot of other toxic ideologies yeah i mean dylan roof i mean that massacre I, I feel like just off note, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. 
because that looks like something like out of the 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 depths of the terrifying periods of time during the civil rights movement and the fact that you can still have a massacre where like eight people are getting shot up in a black church is just terrifying but i even argue that um i don't know that nick cruz the shooter of the um of marjorie stoneman douglas high was and so i don't know that for sure but i do know from interviews of students who had interacted with him before that fateful day did talk about how he was overly aggressive how girls would even try to um try to become his friend and that he would just become violent towards them and sort of attack them and things like that and i feel like in, in some degree even though i don't um agree when men say that they're oppressed i do agree that in some capacity society is mm. not doing these men right they're not we're not bringing up our boys yeah. correctly if things like this can happen i definitely agree with that although it's obviously not on the same scale as it is for women and they're not being repressed if oppressed at all to the same extent but there definitely are some issues that are going on within the male community there's issues that society as a whole the government everyone needs to address and work towards solving so i definitely do agree to that definitely there's a lot of things that i feel like you know are wrong that are happening to males or and things like that but i do think that you know mammonism or insoles or some of the more toxic and harmful ways that people are approaching these issues is very wrong, very harmful to society as a whole. I have to disclaim that everybody in this podcast as of current is a female, so we definitely don't have that male perspective and we can't account for all of that, but this is just us speaking from what we've witnessed. Definitely. Yeah, we're speaking from personal experience, yep. men that we know, and our own research. All right. yep. See y'all next time.